The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 370 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from medical practice. Our topic today is living through the stages of younger onset Alzheimer's disease. Alzheimer's disease is a brain disease that can't be stopped, reversed or cured. It slowly destroys memory and thinking. It mostly affects people over the age of 65, but it also affects people under age 65. And then it's called younger onset Alzheimer's disease and sometimes just to confuse us people also call it early onset Alzheimer's disease but it's the same thing. Now younger onset Alzheimer's disease starts in people in their 40s and 50s. They have those people they have families, careers or they may even be family caregivers themselves when the younger onset Alzheimer's disease strikes. Up to 5% of people with Alzheimer's disease have younger younger onset Alzheimer's disease. And in North America, that's a total of about 220,000 people. And that's why our topic, living through the stages of younger onset Alzheimer's disease, is so important for family caregivers and their family members. Now, to discuss it, our guest is Michael Ellenbogen. Michael was diagnosed with younger onset Alzheimer's disease in 2008 at the age of 49. Prior to his diagnosis, he was a network operations manager for a Fortune 500 financial institution. In other words, he had a major job. His book, From the Corner Office to Alzheimer's, was published in 2013. He's the founder of the Michael Ellen Bogan movement. And since his diagnosis, he's become an advocate for education about Alzheimer's disease and for increasing funding for research to find effective treatments. Michael's interested in motivating people with Alzheimer's disease to raise their voice, raise their voices and to reduce the stigma surrounding Alzheimer's disease. Michael believes that his diagnosis with Alzheimer's disease is not the end for him because he has so much more to give to the world. So welcome to the show, Michael. Well, thank you for having me, Dr. Gordon. Now, let's start off with the the first question. I'd like you to tell us 
more about your life, your family life and your career before you were diagnosed with younger, ulcer, younger onset Alzheimer's disease. Please tell us more about those things. Michael. Sure. Well, I guess uh, I was a pretty successful high-level manager working in the, uh, I guess, uh, banking industry. I managed uh, the whole telecommunications for the entire uh, bank uh, for the East Coast. And uh, I had a great family, you know, wife and uh, also a daughter, and uh, lived in the heart of Bucks County. I uh, slowly, over, I guess, around the age of 39, I started having some what I considered symptoms of just forgetting people's, uh, I guess, extension numbers, four-digit extension numbers. Uh, I was having some difficulty in remembering the meetings that I was going to. And keep in mind, I was a person that I never carried a dayminder. It was all kind of in my head there. So uh, for me, it was very unusual to start missing meetings or, for that matter, going to them at the wrong time, thinking, uh, you know, they were a different time. Uh, I also started experiencing problems with remembering acronyms in my field uh, and even my direct report employees. Uh, I shared that with you know, a lot of people, you know, and they all kind of blew it off and said, oh, you know, this is just normal part of aging and, you know, they were dealing with it also. And I guess it is to a certain point, but for me it was happening, I believe, to be too frequently uh, and it, this was very unusual for me. So, you know, over the years I continued working. Unfortunately, uh, I ended up getting terminated from my field uh, that I was in, the job, and I ended up moving on to another job, uh, which I, I got to tell you was so challenging for me because here was a person that I usually could pick up things almost instantly. And when I went to this new job, believe it or not, even four years later, I still could not totally understand everything I had to do without going to my notes. And uh, that was a real challenge. That, that, that really hit home at that point. I, I really knew something was wrong. Uh, and, uh, you know, I ended up pursuing going through the medical field, and uh, that, that was a horror story in itself, but it literally took about 10 years to uh, get a diagnosis that I had Alzheimer's. We're going to talk about that in a minute, Michael. But... Before we do that, please tell us about your book, which you titled From Corner Office. That's where the bosses are. That's where the people like you were to Alzheimer's. From the corner office to Alzheimer's. Please tell us about that and also the recognition that that book's received. Michael? Well, I, I tell you, I, I was fortunate because... Uh Throughout my time, I kept a lot of good notes that I was hoping to be able to share with my doctors. And because of that, I realized after the whole incident that, to be honest with you, go, going through my journey was a little bit of a horror story. And I wanted to share that with other people so they can see that they're not alone because I've heard so many other people going through similar stories. And I, I wanted to make sure that they could kind of have an idea of what they could do. And in my book, uh, I made sure to get a doctor involved who shared a whole chapter on what steps somebody should take when they suspect an issue. And I also ran into legal issues that I wasn't sure or even prepared on how to deal with. So I also reached out to a lawyer to help guide somebody who might be in my shoes on how they need to 
deal with, you know, the legal system when it comes to the possibility of having some kind of problem like this. So, you know, I decided to put it into a book that, that hopefully would benefit people in the sense that they would learn from the mistakes that I made and also to not give up on hope, which is I kind of did at the very beginning. You know, I should have, I should have pursued doctors even more, but I want people to see that and from them to learn from the mistakes and also to relate to some of the things that I'm dealing with that, hey, they may be problems and you should be pursuing them. Uh, plus, it, I, it also gives the caregiver's perspective of what the patient's actually living with, which so many people, sadly to say, don't share that. Uh, and uh, the, the caregivers have learned a lot about it. Uh, I, I will tell you, I'm very pleased in the sense that it's gotten some fabulous reviews out there, even though I really don't advertise this book at all. Uh, it's now being, uh, I guess, in, in three colleges, they're using it, uh, one of them being at Harvard. I mean, I can't ask for anything better than that. Congratulations, Michael. That puts you at the top of your class, doesn't it? I think that's a wonderful recognition. Now, my next question to you is this. You're the founder of the Michael Ellen Bogan movement. Please tell us about that, Michael. Well, it all started, I guess, when a gentleman had approached me when I was trying to make all this awareness out there, and uh, I had all these crazy ideas how I wanted to go out there and change the world. And uh, somebody approached me that they want to create a website. To be honest with you, I'm not that proud of the name, Michael Ellenbogen Movement, because it sounds like it's all about me. But I'll tell you, at the time when I created that, I really couldn't get anybody to help me and stand up to do what I was doing. So, uh, unfortunately, it was, a, again, a person with Alzheimer's coming up with the best name possible, and that's exactly what I came up with, which was easy. And that's what we decided to call the page. And uh, since that time, I've been fortunate enough to be able to reach out and have a lot of people connect with me in all kinds of power uh, that we're slowly making changes in many different aspects uh, related to this particular, uh, you know, cause of dementia. And, uh, you know, I, I thank the gentleman uh, in fact, his name's uh, Christopher Nelson, you know, for, for the great work that he's done for me. Uh, it, it's been fabulous because of him. I've now been able to have a voice out there and to share my mission with so many other people out there. And I, I get caregivers. I get all kind of people desperate in need who reach out to me all the time who would love to talk to me so they can get some possible points of how and what they should do the next step in their life because of this disease. In other words, the Michael Allen Bogan movement, and that's a website, as you've explained to us, is the place where people are going when they're looking for advice, when they're looking for information, when they're looking for a better understanding of what this Alzheimer's disease is all about. Is that right, Michael? Yes, it is. So you must be must feel now that you've got two major achievements. One is your book and one is your website, your Michael Ellen Bogan Movement website. Um, do you feel in your heart and mind that these really are opportunities that you've taken and been successful with, Michael? To a certain point, I do, but I, I got to tell you, to me, that's not the success I'm looking for. For me, the success I'm looking for is to really have the bigger world change impact 
to be able to somehow get the funding that's needed, to be able to influence the top-level people to realize we have to do so much more. That's the gratification I'm looking for. I mean, it's probably hard to understand. I mean, I, believe it or not, I've been on I don't know how many different radio shows, and I don't even talk about my book. You know, people say, why don't you try to, you know, make people aware of it? Because by taking the time to talk about my book, I end up taking away from the time that I need to do the advocacy. And to me, that is more important today because so many people, are, I believe, are counting on me out there to make the difference that, unfortunately, many of them are incapable of doing today. That word advocacy is important. In other words, you are a voice and you want others to have a voice as well so that they advocate for themselves and they advocate for future generations who will be overtaken, we know, unfortunately, by Alzheimer's disease. And so on that point, that you are an advocate, and if I may say so to you, Michael, a very successful one, uh, I think that's a wonderful objective to have been achieved. Now, talking of objectives, we've come to the end of this particular um, segment, and so we're going to take the break. This, this, Michael, is where I always say we have to pay the rent, so we'll do that now. And then we're coming back. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley. My guest is Michael Ellen Bogan. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Are you ready for an anything-goes, hour-long foray into politics, pop culture, and societal tribulations? Then look no further than Between the Synapse with host Mark Tobin. Each show features nationally or internationally prominent guests discussing topics that go beyond the usual daily news, sometimes even way beyond. It's a weekly fast-paced hour that you won't want to miss. Call in to join the party. Between the Synapse airs live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. For 27 years, KidStar has empowered thousands of kids across the country. And now we have the opportunity to empower children around the world. KidStar is announcing a new radio show called Voyage Earth. Voyage Earth will empower kids from across the world. And we need your help. KidStar has created a Kickstarter campaign just for this new undertaking. By pledging to Kickstarter... You pledge for a future of empowered people to come. My name is Harmony Hagedorn. And I'm Angel Ramirez. From the Angel and Harmony Show on Voice America Kids. Kidstar, we empower kids. Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.
are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Michael Ellen Bogan. Our topic is living through the stages of younger onset Alzheimer's disease. Michael, let's talk about your past experiences of Alzheimer's disease. In other words, this was the period after the kind of you realized there was something the matter. And I want you to describe what you recall of those things. So my first question is, what were the first worrying things you noticed and how did you respond to them? And you've already described some of them, but please go back over these and just say more about them and what actually you did to respond to these worrying things. Michael? Well, as I had mentioned, I, it, it all started, you know, with uh, forgetting uh, extension numbers and uh, people's names, but it slowly progressed into making mistakes in a budget, uh, that I had, and you, you got to understand, I was a perfectionist. I mean, I did not make mistakes. It's hard to understand that, but uh, I, I used to ensure and go out of my way that everything was perf- perfect. And, uh, you know, th- over time, those things were starting to have an impact, not only in my work life, but I was also starting to see things like that happen in my home life. So because of that, I ended up going to see... Uh, doctors, and uh, the doctors, of course, started to ask me things, and uh, at that point, uh, they sent me to psychiatrist, psychologist, and uh, this went on for many years, believe it or not, trying to figure out what was going on. Uh, They kept telling me I was stressed, I was depressed. And uh, to me, it was very frustrating. Uh, in fact, at one point in time, I even broke down to the doctor's office uh, when they had asked me, who's the president of the United States? And uh, I, I couldn't come up with that. And, uh, you know, I was a very political type person and knew, you know, a lot of, about things like that. So for me, that was just overwhelming. And when I broke down and started hearing, the doctor's immediate response was, well, this is the whole problem. You're just stressed and depressed. And that's why you know, you're having these problems. And I'm like thinking, he's missing the whole boat. It's like, of course I'm stressed and depressed if I can't figure out something so simple. Wouldn't anybody else be? Uh, so, you know, uh, I ended up finally spending, I guess, probably six years getting nowhere. And then, uh, unfortunately, after losing my job, and then I had to go into the other job, I realized things were so bad that I, I just could no longer wait. So what I decided to do was start all over again with all new doctors, and I didn't share the results with the other doctors, uh, which proved to help me a lot because by doing that, they all started looking at it like they didn't know anything to begin with. And uh, they, they, they didn't get a – I can't think of the word I'm looking for right now. Uh, but they weren't, I guess, being uh, looked at from my records and making a decision based on my previous records. So at that point in time, uh, the, the new doctors started uh, seeing some issues after I had a PET scan done. And uh, after that PET scan, everything started pointing to having Alzheimer's disease. And from that point on, I started pursuing uh, other avenues, not that there's any treatments or anything, 
but it at least uh, explained for the reasons uh, for why I was finally having all these issues. And by that time, things were really getting much worse. And uh, that's about it, I guess. Right. Very clear. When you got to the new group of doctors, I'm going to call them that, that started over by taking a great deal of interest in and questioning you closely on exactly what was happening. Um, was that really the turning point in your medical care, that they began to see that there was something there uh, that enabled to make them to make this diagnosis of younger onset Alzheimer's disease? Is that right, what I've just said to you? Yeah, it, it does. But to be very honest with you, it was really my wife who drove the doctors to see this. My wife happens to be a medical person. And uh, when we were with one of the psychologists or psychiatrists, they had indicated to my wife that it could be Alzheimer's. And she, she who is a medical person, never thought that somebody at my age could even have that. So she, in turn, started doing further research. And when she did research, she identified that a PET scan is one of the things that should be done. Well, she is the one who actually told my doctor when the MRI came back that there was he that they didn't find anything wrong with the MRI. She actually pursued telling the doctor that we should do a PET scan. So it really it was her who drove this thing, not the doctors. But once the doctors all identified because the PET scan came back conclusive of Alzheimer's disease, it opened up new doors because at that point the neurologist they sent me to was somebody who had uh, dealt especially with this disease. And it was being treated very differently at that point in time. However, even though it was being treated very differently, my personal view is they did not treat me right afterwards because it was like one of these things, well, there's really not much we can do for you. Do you want me to put you on depression medication? Do you want me to give you drugs for Alzheimer's? And Not that there's drugs that can really help you, but it was like, and they come back and see me in a year. It, it, it was really terrible because I believe... They should have done more at that point in time. They really should have said, hey, Mike, you know, we've given you a death sentence just now, but we believe you should go to talk to, you know, these people or these people that can help you identify what you should do going forward and how to get your financials in order. None of that happened. It's very cold, sadly to say. What you're saying is that the medical help you received after the diagnosis wasn't really help of the kind that you needed or maybe wasn't sufficient help in any case. Is that right? Correct. Now, what that then leads to is this question. What is it that you would just quickly say was missing from that help that might have made a difference to you? Well, I think the biggest problem is I think these doctors feel bad to begin with that there's nothing they can do for us. And they feel that maybe they don't want to really talk with us or something about it. I don't know. I, I mean, it's hard to know what's going on in their mind, but I think they really need to make it more personal. And I, I do believe they need to put us in the right hands because so many of us go into denial because of this. And you know, the, the last thing you want people to do is waste the last couple good years of their life being in denial. We should be able to learn how to deal with those issues. And I believe a psychiatrist or somebody who specializes in this 
would be able to help out and make the life better for somebody. Right. Now, let's talk about what happened after they made the diagnosis. And when I'm asking you what happened, I'm really asking you the question, how did the Alzheimer's that you now knew you'd got progress from the time you were told of the diagnosis? Please give us a picture of that. Well, I got to tell you, uh, for me, I happen to be a very lucky person, uh, if you could call having luck with the Alzheimer's. But for me, it's going at a very slow, slow rate. And because of that, I've been able to still do a lot of good things because of it. At the same time, I take this test. I'm not sure what it's called. I think it's a MMSE test. But what it does is, is it's like a cognitive test, and it, it scored on a 30 scale. And for the longest time, I was scoring 28, 29, maybe uh, e- e- even 30 once in a blue moon. Well, it wasn't until probably about a year ago that I started going into the 26, well, maybe even a little bit more than that, two years ago. I went to a 26, and now I'm at a 22. So because of that, I have progressed slow, but at the same time, I've been seeing a lot of difficulties just trying to get through the normal day, Uh, you know, things that I was once so capable of doing, uh, I'm now struggling to do. We've come to the time when it's time for the short break, so we'll take that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Michael Ellen Bogan. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. What can you find on Get Real Radio? Well, quite honestly, who you really are. Join host James Robinson each week for a program designed to reveal more about yourself and your world through words of wisdom and profound guests. You'll discover more about the spiritual movement and how it can work with you and alert you to problems you may not be aware of. It will educate 
titillate and enlighten your mind. Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of your week. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Michael Ellen Bogan. Our topic is living through the stages of younger onset Alzheimer's disease. Michael, Let's talk about your experiences of younger onset Alzheimer's disease as these experiences are now. So my question to you is right now, as you are at the moment, what are the challenges that you find greatest and how do you work around them? Michael? Well, I guess as far as working around them, I'm not sure I have mechanisms to work around them, but... uh... I, I think the biggest part for me is going through the day, just trying to stay focused on what I'm doing and to be able to do things. I mean, just for example, I mean, I, I could be at my computer and I could make the same mistake multiple times over and over and over, and I have to figure out how to get myself out of that loop uh, because I'm making a mistake. Uh, or, like, I just drove to D.C., you know, and uh, there's nothing worse that you're driving, you know you made a mistake where you're at in a road, the GPS puts you back on track to have to come back through that same area again, and you don't know where you made the mistake. And then you make the same mistake again. And then you finally go around, and then this time you figure, well, let me try turning a whole complete different opposite way, hoping that the GPS is going to help you and regard you a different way. So... It's things like that. I mean, it's terrible when you can't even remember the mistake that you made, you know, just 10 minutes ago. So you cannot make that mistake again. Uh, that, that is challenging. And the worst part is it's not that it's just challenging, but it eats at you inside of, because you're living with this. And, and, and you can see all this thing happening. And it literally tears you up inside because you're incapable of doing it. And if you let it get to you too much, it really can snowball to the point that it makes things so much worse. So you almost have to fight to not have that so you can control your emotions so you don't get so upset about things. That's probably the one thing that I have to do so hard is to try not to get, let myself get upset internally because that just throws everything off and just makes it snowball into, you know, even worse things. So... You know, there's little things I've been able to, to 
help with technology to make my life easier, such as having Outlook on my computer, uh, using Word to help me spell. And, you know, even at that today, it's becoming difficult because I'm spelling so poorly that even the Word can't figure out what I'm trying to spell at times. And and, and that really becomes upsetting. I, I can't even try to sound the word out to make it sound right, though I can figure it out to spell. Now, what help are you receiving for the challenges you've just been talking about? That is to say, where you can't remember where you lost your path on the road or you can't remember the mistake you made last time. Those kinds of challenges, what sort of help are you getting for them and how helpful is that help? Michael? Well, I'll tell you, I, I think the biggest help that I can say I have is my wife. Uh, she, she, she's really my lifesaver here. Um, I mean, I used to be able to do the financials. I can't do any of it anymore. I rely on her. Even things today that I know I can probably make a decision, I question whether I'm capable of making the right decision in my mind, and I want to make sure it's done with her or somebody else. Uh, so I'm relying on others to help me along that path. I mean, it's really terrible to have to feel that you can't make your own decision on certain things and you have to rely on somebody else because you might not make the best judgment there. Uh, that, that's hard. That, that, that is really hard. So, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to, you know, her and, uh, you know, other people that I, I, I deal with. And, again, just the tools that are in place or, for example, uh, I, I no longer could change my watch the time and everything. So I searched out there until I found a watch that actually changes itself, and it gives me the day, the date, the time, and all, and I need to see all that because I can't remember what all those things are. So I need to be able to see that all the time. So just getting technology like that to help me along has been wonderful. And, my God, I, I can't tell, begin to tell you how great of a tool GPS is for me. Uh, without GPS today, I don't know where I would be. I mean, I wouldn't be able to get around. Now, how well um, is this sort of type of challenge you've just described understood by people who aren't close to you, people who don't have the knowledge of you, don't have the understanding with you that your wife has, uh, but nevertheless are sympathetic to you and would like to help? My question is, those people who are, who are somewhat outside but nevertheless still know you, what kind of understanding do they have of the challenges you're experiencing? Well, I believe the average person out there, unless you've been touched by Alzheimer's or dementia, they are really clueless of what it means to have this disease. In fact, I believe most people tend to think that there's medications for this when there really isn't. Uh, they also tend to believe that Alzheimer's is a part of normal aging, which it isn't. I mean, it's a disease that people die from, and they don't know how to deal with people like me. I mean, just if the society would have a better understanding of this disease and what it means to people like me, I believe it would change the whole outcome for us uh, 
just for example, I mean, being in a loud area for me can be just so overwhelming that it could trigger things. Uh, and, you know, placing me in the restaurant at the right location would make a whole big difference. So I think changing people's perception on what it means, I think, would be really helpful. Now, I'm going to ask you about the medical help you're receiving as it relates to these challenges or just generally. Right now, what sort of medical help are you receiving and how helpful actually is it? To be honest with you, I'm not sure whether it's helping or not, unfortunately. I I am taking some drugs uh, that are designed to hopefully boost your focus and uh, concentration. Are they actually working? I do not know. But the problem is you take them hoping that they do because that's the only hope you can get from it. Uh, I do know a lot of people don't benefit from these drugs. You know, it works for 50% of people and 50% it don't. You know, the sad part is there's also a lot of uh, side effects that goes along with these drugs. But again, you know, you, you, you have this hope factor that they are working for you, and you take them. Um, so I can't honestly say they're definitely working. I do believe they are to a certain point, at least from what my, my wife had said in the past. Uh, but I don't know if the drugs, you know, have worn off at this point in time. They're no longer functioning, and this is just me, or yes, I am getting some benefits. It's kind of a scary answer, but unfortunately, there's no clear-cut one that I can tell you. Right. Michael, talking about the doctors you see and the medical people generally you see, how well do they understand these challenges you've just described to us? That is to say, where you can't remember the mistake you made so that you keep making it, whether you get lost with your GPS or whether you get lost, so to speak, on your computer. You keep making the mistakes because you can't remember what they are. How well do the doctors and medical people understand those challenges, Michael? To be honest with you, I think the majority don't understand it at all. For example, I go into a doctor's office. I happen to be in a medical trial. And the first thing they ask me is, so what happened during this time since I last saw you? Like, they think I'm going to remember? I mean, I don't even remember what I ate for breakfast. And they want me to remember two, two months' worth of possible issues that I might have had from the drug that I'm on? You would think they would give you something that says, take this with you, and you write it down throughout the next two months of anything that might pop up. So when you come to me the next time, at least you'll have that information. They don't do that. And, and you go to the doctor, and they ask you, well, how things? Well, if you have dementia... And you can't remember, what good is it asking that question to begin with? I, I think it's hilarious when I see these people ask these questions. They, they, they really need to treat people who have dementia a whole different way. And they should put the tools in our hands. Like I said, give us a book and say, hey, hang on to this. And if something comes up, write it down. Michael, you use the word advocate to describe what you are and what you do that is you advocate for things that are going to be beneficial to people like you who are living with Alzheimer's and particularly younger onset Alzheimer's disease so does your advocacy include 
going into the details of the challenges in the way that you've just done with me. That is describing them very carefully and very closely so that I understand what you're talking about. Does your advocacy, that, in other words, involve educating others who you think need to know these and understand these things? Michael? I do, and that's part of what I hope do well, because I, I, I believe so many of us out there speak about this disease, but we really don't speak about what's really happening and what it really means to live with it. And I believe when we can paint the real picture of how painful and how terrible this disease is, that's when I think people will start to change. You know, it's not like I got a hand cut off or, you know, uh, my foot's cut off that they could see something. They look at me and they say, this guy's normal. There's nothing wrong with him. He even speaks normal. So it's important for us to paint that picture. And I do that well, I think. I think you do it well, too. And I'm going to say later on, I hope that this kind of thing, that is, I know you've done lots and lots of interviews and you must get quite tired of it. Nevertheless, you speaking in your own voice, describing your own experiences, which you do very clearly, very well and very convincingly, is the best possible way that I know about of getting the message through to people that this is younger onset Alzheimer's disease. Alzheimer's disease are not diseases you can see. They're diseases that are going on inside the brain of someone and they need to be understood if that someone is going to benefit from interacting with people who would like to be helpful but just don't understand. So all I can say to you is, and I'm going to say it again to you in the next segment, that's where um, you really do an excellent job in getting across these explanations. Now, at this point, we're going to take the break once more. This is Dr. Gordon Anthony, and my guest is Michael Ellen Bogan. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel. 
every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Michael Ellen Vogan. Our topic is living through the stages of younger onset Alzheimer's disease. Michael, now let's talk about the ways you see your future with younger onset Alzheimer's disease, how you see your future. So, Michael, this is a tough question, but how do you see your challenges increasing? Well, I have to tell you, it, it, it is starting to become more aggravating uh, in the sense that some of the things that I, I'm trying to do, I'm having difficulties doing just in my advocacy work. And uh, to me, this is probably the, the, the most important thing in my life at this point. It, it, it's my career. It's everything, really. I, I got skin in this game. And uh, it's getting harder to do these things. The the fear that I have is I'm going to lose the ability to be able to still drive a car, which is really how I get to places to to do a lot of these things, you know. And I'm not sure at that point what I'm going to be able to do or continue to try to do this. And uh, that's a real challenge for me uh, because... I know it's coming. I, 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 I have no way of changing it. I also don't know how long it's going to be. Uh, and, and it's very frustrating to know that it's coming my way, and you can't put a time frame on it. But there, there are challenges. i I got to tell you, you know, I, I, I used to be cutting the grass. And I just recently stopped cutting the grass because I am having issues, and we had to hire somebody to do that. It's these challenges that are happening, and... Seeing these things happen, it's definitely making me wonder, is it going to suddenly speed up? And before I know it, I'm not going to be able to do it anymore. Uh, And is it real quickly downhill from that point on? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it is scary. I I will tell you that, you know, I I had a score of 29 a couple years ago, and now a couple years later I'm at a 22. Uh, You know, there's things I couldn't even do is draw a box. Uh, which are all things I was capable of doing not too long ago. So it's you, you don't know what's coming ahead of you. Michael, next tough question. What are the things that worry you the most? You mentioned you're worried about not being able to drive your car because that's important to your life and your work. Are there other things that worry you a lot like that, Michael? 
Well, I'm not sure this is one that your public's ready for, but uh, one thing that's always in the back of my mind is I don't want to live to the end. I really don't. And I hope to find that happy medium where I end my life before that time. But I don't want to take time away from my wife, my life. I want to live life to the fullest for as long as possible because I'm, I'm trying to enjoy as much as possible. But in the back of my mind, I keep worrying, is this the right time to, to take my life or can I live longer? The problem that I, I think about is if I wait too long, then I may not remember to do that. And unfortunately, there's no such thing as assisted suicide in, in this, uh, I guess, life for me. And that, that's a tough thing. You know, we should have choices. And uh, nobody should have to deal with, my God, with what, what's facing ahead of me. I mean, to, to think that I want to go to the bathroom and I don't even know how to go to the bathroom, and I just go to the bathroom right there on the floor. Or to have my wife standing there and to ask who she is, or to not know her name, or to not my, know my daughter. I mean, that's terrible. That is terrible for somebody to have to think that's ahead of them. I mean, I, I can't even begin to tell you. I want to be remembered for who I am today. Today. Not the person I'm going to become. Michael, I have something just to say to you about that. Um, you want to be married remembered for the person you are today that's one of the small benefits that we can offer you i can offer you with this recording of you talking because this will go into the archives and from as long as you and i are around and beyond that this will be your story for this moment in time you describing the realities of your life, your concerns, your worries about the future. And in that sense, you are helping other people understand what lies ahead of them and what lay ahead of you. So that one of the things you can say in your mind and they can say in their minds is, well, we weren't alone. That's very important. Now, Michael, my very last question for you is this. What is your message for people who, like you, are living with younger onset Alzheimer's disease? Well, the most important thing I can tell them is the minute they get that diagnosis, talk to somebody who can get them through it quickly, like a psychiatrist, psychologist, somebody who understands it, because the last thing they want to do is spend the last so many good years of their life trying to be depressed. They, need to, they still need to find a purpose in life. They do. It's so critical. I can't begin to tell you, uh, you know, without me doing what I'm doing today, I would probably go downhill instantly. But you've got to find a purpose in life, because they rip that away from you when they take you out of the job world. You know, you get dementia, you can't work anymore. So you've got to find something to do. You have to have a passion for something. Uh, and I realize that's easier said than done because, you know, here I came and play golf if I want to because I, or drive a boat, which were my favorite hobbies to, to do. You, you, I can't even do those things. So you've got to find something new and figure out how to get there. The other thing is they need to write that list of 
not a wish list. I can't think of what the words are. A bucket list. A bucket list. And they need to not only write that bucket list, but they need to act on it. You know, we all have that pocketbook in our closet that we use, you know, when we go out once in a blue moon or that fancy watch that's only used once every so often. Well, you know what? Start using them daily. Life is too short. Start to appreciate what you have. And put your financials in order. Write those things. Get those wills in place, the living wills and everything. And there are special living wills for people living with dementia. The average living will is not geared for a person with dementia. So it's important to know that. So I know it's a dreadful disease. I know it's devastating. And I know we don't have a lot of time left. But it's important to use that time we do have left to make the best of what we can with it. I am very moved by what you've said. I believe that your message, your voice, your sense of needing a purpose, your sense of helping, your sense of advocating, your sense of sharing your experience with other people so that eventually society can understand what the challenges, that's a word we've both used, really are for people who are living with the condition that you are living with and others, 220,000 other people are living with. Um, I want to wish you absolutely everything in the way of success in the work that you're doing. It's pioneering work. I want to thank you for sharing with us your experience, your insights, and your advice. And I wish you and your wife, your wonderful wife, your wonderful family caregiver wife, every best wish for the future. Thank you. I want to say, I want, you're very welcome. I want to say thank you to our listeners. And with Family Caregivers Unite, we're starting a new research project called Qualitative Research. And this episode, Michael, is going to be part of it. The idea is to find out what you, our listeners, think about important topics, such as the one we've been listening to. So please email me to hear more or to get involved. Our next episode will be my story of walking with Alzheimer's. Please join us. Same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.